morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. Glad to see you here today. Uh, it's good to see everybody. Welcome to everyone. And uh, it's good to share this time as we begin a new year together and uh, uh, in worship and in fellowship with one another. So welcome. We're glad that you're here. Let me re- remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to, uh, to remind you to fill that, those out if you wouldn't mind and, uh, so we could have a record of your attendance with us. And uh, go ahead and take your phone and check in on social media. Let everybody know what you're doing this morning. Uh, Also, just a few announcements. First of all, let me say thank you to our senior adult class for a great breakfast this morning. We're uh, (laughs) (laughs) young adult class. (laughs) They're getting older every day. You see what that says right there? It says hosted by the senior adults. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> it was a good breakfast, so thank you so much. So we're we're grateful for that. Yeah, I don't know who who provides it every month. You know, it, I just show up and I'm surprised. So I just read what's put in front of me there. So, uh, but uh, thank you so much. We're we're grateful for a good breakfast today. Um, a few announcements: we we will be having our business meeting this Wednesday. Uh, to discuss our 2020 budget, so I hope you can come and be a part of that. Uh, our upperclassmen group of young adults. Uh, <laughs> did I redeem myself there? <laughs> we will be having lunch at uh, Farmer and Frenchman on January 28th, so go ahead and put that on your on your calendar. Uh, there are also, if you'll notice, when you leave today, there are Bibles on the table there in the foyer, and that is for uh, Christina and Hemi Morgan. Uh, their habitat house is being built now. And, uh, and these Bibles will be given to them on the day that the house is dedicated. And so you have been invited, we have been invited uh, to, to take the Bibles. There's one for Christina, there's one for Hemi. Take them and put a note in there, write something on a card or write something in the margin next to a favorite verse or highlight your favorite verse in there or something like that. Something to show them that, uh, that we, are, uh, we are supporting them and giving them encouragement uh, as they launch into this new uh, adventure for, for them. So please do that. And also our study on Holy Envy, that's a book by Barbara Brown Taylor, will begin on January the 22nd. So it's not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday we'll be doing that on Wednesday evenings. It's a great book, and if you'd like a copy of it, if you haven't gotten one yet, see Jika, and uh, she can get a copy for you for, for $19. Um, we are all called as Christ followers to share love with with one with one another with everyone. So let me invite you now to stand and let's do just that. Let's share the love of Christ with one another. God bless you, Gary. Good 
so that we might have new life. And we celebrate that new life today. We know, O oh God, that you have a special place in your heart for those who live on the margins of society. We pray today that you would send forth your justice for all to see. We pray that you would save your people from the despair of rejection. Empower us, O Lord, to testify to your great love and mercy. Help us to stand up for those whom you love. O God, who makes and keeps covenant with your people, you call us to be a light to the nations. and You called us to open the eyes of the blind and to set the prisoners free. Help us, O God, to answer your call so that these things may become real. 
Oh God of grace and glory, we pray for those who suffer with pains and sorrows. We pray for those whose hearts are broken. We pray for those families who are fractured and those who live by, whose lives are ravaged by wars and rumors of war. We pray for those who struggle with poverty and starvation. For our brothers and sisters around the world who are being martyred and tortured for their beliefs. We thank You, O God, for hearing these prayers. Thank You for pouring out Your Spirit upon Your Son and for pouring out Your Spirit upon us. May we too hear You say to us today that this is my son, this is my daughter, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Amen.
Will you join us down front? Oh, wait a minute. Mark. Where's Mark? Mark's supposed to be down here for the children's sermon. Where's Mark? You just can't depend on anybody, can you? Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. I'm ready for my uh, uh, crucifixion. You're, you're ready for your crucifixion? Yeah. Mark, how many times have I told you we don't crucify people in this church? We baptize them. Oh, baptism. That's what it is. Okay, I'll be right there. <laughs> I, I, I kind of got confused. I, I knew it was one of those words. <laughs> <laughs> but I got it now. You're on. You're on. That's right. Is it too loud? Turn it down, just touch. It's this microphone right here. How about now? Well, let's see here. Good morning, children. And all you other people. What is this? glass of water. Hmm. So what can you do with a glass of water? Take a bath? Or if you're thirsty? Can you drink it? What else could you do with it? Huh? Cook? Oh, baptize with it. Yeah, you could do that for sure. You could cook with it. You could swim in it. Backstroke. What? You could have a nice dinner because you baked it with water. Is that how your mama cooks? <laughs> Okay. Well, you know, most of your your body's made up mostly of water, but that's why you have to stay hydrated, right? Do you ever get thirsty? Yes. Well, water's good when you're thirsty, isn't it? Do we have a lot of water yesterday from the sky? No. No. It did where we were. So what was it? Rain, exactly right. Well, you know, one thing that they do is it's uh, 
when we get baptized, it helps us to remind us that God saved us and washed away our sins. There's other ways, there are different ways that they baptize. Uh, come here, pumpkin. One way, come on up here, both of you, both of you, come on. One one way they they, they kind of like they sprinkle, you know, they do this, put their fingers in it, they touch your head. And then the other time, other way they dunk you in it, put your whole head in there. <laughs> when I was uh, baptized, I was baptized originally in the Methodist Church, and they sprinkled, you know, they kind of. And so, when I became a Baptist, I decided I wanted to be dunked or immersed. And uh, Reverend Allen baptized me, and he held me down till I bubbled. <laughs> he said, "I got give you." That didn't take. Do it again. <laughs> but you know, we're all born in sin, right? We all have sins. So what does this water do? What does it mean when you're baptized? Y'all know? It washes away your sins. It's just like washing the dirt off our face, right? You know, even Jesus was baptized. Did you know that? Yeah. He was baptized and... You know, by John, who was not your, he wasn't a fancy dress preacher. He didn't have that sparkly suit on or nothing like that. He had like a hairy vest and he ate bugs and stuff, you know. And you know where they baptized him at? In a river. How many people here have been baptized in the river? Anybody? Been baptized in the river. So, so, uh, good. My father was baptized in the river. I remember him telling me about that. That they, a pond. Okay, pond. What I mean is, if you were baptized, other than the swimming pool back here, raise your hand. Pond, lake, river. And I remember my father telling me about this story when we was young, about how they went to the Ohio River to the, I guess, the boat ramp or whatever. And they baptized him. And it was, I'll never forget that. You know, when uh, Jesus was baptized, something happened. Have you heard the story? What? You don't remember. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Good help there. Uh, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Oh. <laughs> anyway, the heavens opened up, you know, and a dove came down, all this kind of stuff, right? Landed on his shoulder. No. But the reason that we, again, the reason that we use water, because water is so important. We cannot live without water, can we? Got to have water. I'm thirsty. Hold on. Where'd you get this water from? Thanks. But anyway, that's not funny. So I want to do a prayer right now, and I want you guys, and I want everyone to repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for baptism. Thank you for washing our sins and making us clean. Help us remember that and live in your presence. 
Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. We love you, God. In Jesus' name. And all the good people said. Amen. I've got something for you guys. Y'all like chocolate? You like bubble gum? I don't have any of that. I got something even better. Water. Ask anybody, who wants a bottle of water? I got plenty here. Raise your hand. Okay. Go take them a bottle of water. Somebody got their hand raised up. Here we go, Papa. Here, I know the preacher wants one. Thank you. Take one over, CJ. Can you catch? All right. How about back row? Anybody? Who does? Bob? You ready? If you like one, they're up here. Alright, thank you. Please touch our hearts before we leave here. 
And as our song says, dear Heavenly Father, good Lord, show me the way. And you did. In so many ways, you showed us the way. So what we need to ask ourselves and what we need to pray is, good Lord, give us the strength to follow your ways. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Matthew 3:13-17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a lightning on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord.
much choir. Praise the Lord of living waters. I was uh, speaking with Nora a little while ago during breakfast about the fact that we have some weddings coming up in our church this year. And uh, some of our members are deeply involved in the process of planning these, these weddings. And there's a lot of details involved in planning a wedding, isn't there? There's a lot of things that are, that are things you've got to make sure that are just right and brides and grooms and even moms and dads tend to get a little stressed out in the weeks before a wedding. And in, included in that are invitations that have to go out. You have to get the addresses and the names and make sure that the names and addresses match. Let me tell you about one. Bride-to-be, Cassandra Warren. Uh, she was so hurried to get things done that she accidentally sent an invitation to the wrong address. It was the right name, but it was the wrong address. And so the wedding was supposed to be, it was supposed to have a Star Wars theme. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> she was really excited about it. Maybe the... The pastor was Obi-Wan Kenobi or something. I don't know. Uh, but, but this one invitation went to somebody that she didn't even know. She didn't know this person. Well, a week later, the invitation came back, and the mistaken invitee had included a $20 bill in the envelope along with this message scribbled on the invitation. The person said, I wish I knew you. <laughs> this is going to be a blast. <laughs> Congratulations. Go have dinner on me. I've been married 40 years. It gets better with age. <laughs> Warren sent a gracious thank you note saying, I'm thankful for people like you still being in the world. We've all known what it's like to get a telephone call or a text from somebody that we don't know. Um, and, and usually when that happens, we will ignore it or maybe we'll text back a quick wrong number or something like that. And we just go on with our lives. But a few years ago, there's a story about a young, a, a wrong number that, and a mistaken invitation that, that went viral and it touched a lot of people's lives. It seems that Wanda Dench sent a group text to her family reminding them what time they, were, they would be celebrating Thanksgiving dinner at her house. But she didn't realize that one of her grandsons had changed his cell phone number, and so she accidentally sent this text to a teenager named Jamal Hinton. Any relation, Gary? Jamal. Jamal. I don't think so. Well, Jamal was surprised by this text and amused when he got the invitation. And so he texted back and asked, who is it from? And Dench replied, it's from your grandma. Well, since Jamal's grandmother does a text, he knew that wasn't the case. And, and, and so he asked the woman to text him a picture, which she did, and then Hinton texted a picture back, and the mistake became very obvious. They had a good laugh over the mistaken invitation, but then Lynch texted to say that Hinton and his family are still welcome to join her family for Thanksgiving dinner, and they did. 
For the past several years, Jamal Hinton has joined the Dench family for Thanksgiving dinner. And this mistaken invitation has turned into a great friendship between these two families. In today's scripture, John the Baptist is also issuing an invitation. He's issuing an invitation for people to repent, to confess their sins, and to be baptized because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He directed his most demanding preaching towards the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious elite. He was saying to them, don't you dare think that you're too good for this. You better get over here and get baptized now and start living a life that shows that you've repented and turned back to God. And that's not exactly what he said, but that's the gist of it. <laughs> and so it's strange that John is issuing this, inf- this invitation for everybody to come to repent, to confess their sins, to be baptized. But then he puts on the brakes when Jesus came to be baptized. Notice how today's passage begins. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to prevent him, to deter him. Here John is inviting all kinds of people to be baptized, but when Jesus steps up, he discourages him by saying, I need to be baptized by you. It's like John the Baptist suddenly becomes John the Bouncer. Hold on there, Jesus. This invitation for baptism is for everybody except for you. Was this a case of an invitation that's gone astray? You ever heard the expression, were your ears burning? (laughs) We probably all use that expression. It means I I was just talking about you. But here, I can just see John the Baptist saying to Jesus, remember they're cousins, Jesus and John the Baptist are cousins. I can just see John the Baptist saying to Jesus when he came up to be baptized, hey cousin, were your ears burning? Because I was just talking about you. I was just telling all of these people here that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and that's you. You are the real baptizer. I'm just kind of standing in here baptizing with water. But you're coming to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that's why I'm so confused right now. Because why in the world would you come to me to be baptized? And Jesus answered by saying, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Now, I don't know exactly what Jesus meant by that. But I do know that this was an important moment in Jesus' life. Up until now, Jesus has been, for all practical purposes, pretty anonymous. Just kind of an average Joe. One of the guys, a tradesman, a, a carpenter. But in order to fulfill all righteousness, as the scripture says, in order to show the glory of God and to follow God's will, he is leaving his old life of anonymity behind and he is announcing his ministry. And this public baptism was a part of his plan. 
We began a new series last week called Seeing God More Clearly. And so what I'd like to do today is for us to see how God uses this misunderstanding between John and Jesus to show us what it means to be baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ. So let's think about a few things that it means when we are baptized. First of all, it means leaving your old life behind. Leaving your old life behind. Just like with Jesus, when we are baptized, we are announcing to the world that whoever we used to be and whatever our plans used to be, we're leaving all that behind. Because now we belong to God. Let me give you an example of someone who's pursuing a new life. His first name, ironically, is Christian. His name's Christian Picciolini. And I say ironically because Christian spent eight years of his life as a violent supporter and recruiter for the white supremacist movement. And while participating in a violent attack on an African-American man one day, Christian experienced a moment of empathy for that man. A moment that eventually led him to repent of his racism and his hatred and to leave the white supremacist movement behind. And now Christian dedicates his time and his energy to reaching people within that movement to try to convince them to give up their hatred and their prejudice and their violence. Scott Paley of CBS News interviewed Christian on his new life and he asked him, do you ever fear for your safety? And Christian replied that he receives death threats every day almost. But the way he looks at it is that for eight years he was willing to die for something that was wrong. And now he's willing to die for something noble. Christian Picciolini gave up a life of hatred in exchange for a life of peace and reconciliation. And his commitment to that life is tested every single day by the death threats that he receives. And that tells us that when you commit your life to following Jesus, your commitment is going to be tested. Just as surely as Jesus was tested in the wilderness right after his baptism, you will feel that pull of going back to that comfortable, self-centered life that you used to live. But in your baptism, you died to that old life. And you came alive to a new life that reflects God's spirit and God's will. Margaret Burks is a former missionary from Tanzania. And she told about a baptism that she once attended in East Africa. She said each person came forward to be baptized and, and was immersed in, in the river there as a symbol of, of their new life in Christ. And all the participants came with joy. But there was one young boy who really broke the service up when he came out of the water. And he shouted, I'm alive! I'm alive! <laughs> well, the missionary asked what he was doing. And the boy said that he thought he was supposed to die in the waters. <laughs> Hadn't the missionary said that he would be buried with Christ in the waters of baptism? 
Yeah, that was a part of the liturgy for the service. But that boy had taken it literally. And those in attendance, they, they did what we did. They chuckled, they laughed, until the missionary said, that child thought baptism would kill him. And yet he was willing to go through the process. And then he asked, would you have done the same? That's a profound question, isn't it? Would we have done the same? Folks, let me tell you something. New life in Christ, it is not an add-on. New life in Christ is an exchange for. You give up one thing in order to get something better. You die to your old life in order to receive a new life. And there's, and there's no holding on to that old life. There's no negotiation for a better deal. This is the deal. And in responding to John's invitation, Jesus shows us that baptism means a brand new life in Him. Secondly, it also means making that which was personal, that which has been personal and private, into something public and social. After Jesus' baptism, he began to preach and teach about the kingdom of heaven. He began to heal diseases and set people free from demons. Now, as you look back on Jesus' life, I think we could all say that it probably would have been a whole lot safer for him if he, and a whole lot more comfortable for him if he just kept doing what he'd been doing before. Just stayed in the carpenter shop. But that wasn't God's plan, was it? Jesus was to take His ministry out into the world. He was to be a person for others. And God calls on us to do the same thing. Now, some people are afraid that if they become followers of Jesus, then Jesus is going to call them to give up their jobs and their families and move to some remote location of the world and serve as a, as a missionary in a place where they don't have indoor plumbing. And God does call some people to that kind of ministry sometimes. But not for most of us. For most of us, God simply calls us to use our strengths and our talents and our energy and our time and our money and our jobs and our relationships to share God's truth and healing and love and life right where we are. God's calling doesn't always take us out onto a new mission field. Instead, God's calling reveals to us the mission field that's already all around us. Zach Hunter was 12 years old when he studied about the slave trade in his his history class. He told his mother that if he had been alive back in those days, he would have done something about it. Well, to his surprise... His mother told 12-year-old Zach that slavery was still an ongoing international problem in our world today. And so Zach decided that ending slavery was his calling from God. After a lot of prayer and research, Zach started a campaign called Loose Change 
to loosen chains. It's hard to say, but it's a great slogan, isn't it? Loose change to loosen change. What a great name for an organization. And since then, Zach has spoken at conference. That, remember, this is a 12-year-old boy. And since then, he's spoken at conferences and concerts and public events and schools and churches in an effort to raise money and, and raise awareness of, uh, to fight human slavery. He donates the money he raises to an organization called International Justice Mission to use in their fight against the slave trade. He's also written a book on the subject. He's 12 years old. He's appeared on Good Morning America and, and was recently interviewed by Newsweek magazine. Here's what he says. He says, I want kids my age to get on board to help. I want us to make history. And I don't mean to get our names in some history book, but to be known as a generation that did, did something for God, that cared for people and totally stopped slavery. Folks, do you see this? God, God's calling is it's not limited to, to by age or socioeconomic stat, uh, status or gender or, or by anybody's ability. The only limit on God's calling is our obedience. Our willingness to use every resource that we have to share God's love and truth with others. Now, according to our tradition, Jesus was without sin, completely righteous. So he didn't need to go through a baptism of repentance, did he? He didn't have anything to repent from, but he, but he did it to show us the attitude of obedience and faith and willingness that God desires from God's children. And so God uses this misunderstanding between John and Jesus to show us what it means to be baptized as a follower of Christ. It means, first of all, leaving your old life behind. And secondly, it means making that which has been personal and private into something public and social as you tell the world through the act of baptism and your life afterward that you are a child of God. And I know that that's not easy for some of us, maybe most of us. But following the ways of Christ was never meant to be easy. Now one last point. And that is that in accepting John's invitation to baptism, Jesus was identifying with those that he came to save. He's making peace between us and God. He is showing us how far God's love would go to save us. There was an interesting report recently from, uh, about a young man in Brazil. And this young man loved soccer. Well, they, they call it football. I know we think of something else. But, but he loves soccer and he, and he specifically loves his hometown team, the Flamingos. And he is so taken with this team, he's so closely identified with this team, that he has covered his entire torso with a tattoo of the team's jersey. 
from his neck all the way down to his waist. He has the stripes and the logo of his favorite team tattooed on his chest. According to the report, it took 32 sessions with a tattoo artist and over 90 hours to complete this. Now, we might doubt this young man's sanity, but you can't doubt his commitment, can you? He was willing to invest his money, his time, and even his pain to show the world what he believes in. And what are we willing to sacrifice to show our commitment to Jesus? Does our life look any different from the lives of our family members and friends who don't follow Jesus? Would our colleagues look at us and say, oh yeah, that guy, he's, he's, he's a Jesus follower. She's a Jesus follower. It's tattooed all over him. <laughs> we identify with Christ. But we also identify as Christ did with those for whom He died. You know who that is? That's everybody. That's all people. And I know it is human nature for us to retreat from someone who doesn't fit in with our cultural norms. And it's human nature for us to turn away from those who are different from us. Those who are from a different country. Those who speak a different language. Those who have different customs. Or maybe even practice a different religion. But it was Jesus' nature to reach out to those that the rest of society ignore or reject. Remember what Paul said? He said, we were all yet sinners when Christ reached out to us. Jesus presented himself for the baptism of repentance. He had no reason to do that. He was without sin. And so in essence, John's invitation was for everybody except him. But the invitation was not misdirected. You see, Jesus needed to give us an example of a life that is completely aligned with God. He needed to show us what it means to to go beyond a life that is personal and private to one that's public and social in order to, to make Him known to the world. And then finally, in his baptism, he identified himself with those that he came to to save. And he asks us to do the same thing. To identify with others who need him. Who need us. That's what Jesus' baptism meant to Him. What does your baptism mean to you? Amen. Let's sing our closing hymn. Are you washed in the blood? A great old gospel song. 
And let us remember our baptism. Let us remember what it means to us as we know what Christ's baptism meant for Him. And let us recommit ourselves to the vows that we took in our baptism to put that old life behind us, to start a new ministry in God, and to identify ourselves with the least of these, just like Jesus did for us. Let's sing together.